Good morning. My wife, Nancy Gardner, Tom Gardner, we're here to facilitate today. You can use that material too. We'd like to uh, thank Randy and Meredith for last week sharing about marriage life resolutions. Thank you very much. That was, they got to start. They got to start the uh, the ball going on our resolution month. So thank you very much. Nancy and I are doing part two. And uh, Nancy. Okay. I met Tom in 1975 at Neighborhood Church. I know you wouldn't believe this, but back then he was a bit of a character. Um, Tom had these business cards made up. Maybe we're going to see that. And um, as you can see on there, uh, uh, they were great. He was born again, agape love, Christian love, 24-hour service. But I like over here on the side, you can see he was a professional friend, avid listener, all-around nice guy. So, so at first, I thought, oh, brother, that Tom Gardner. And then once I liked him, then I thought, oh, isn't this sweet? It's so cute. And he really was always, I don't know about a professional friend, but he was always a good friend to everyone, a good listener, and he is an all-around nice guy. <laughs> so um, just as you talk to people around your table right now, make sure you know them, introduce yourself, and just kind of talk about if you were having some business cards made up about your personal life, what would be on it? And we'll get back to you in, in a few seconds. All right, well... I did have a box of those cards, and I don't know what happened to them, but Nancy kept hers all, over all these years. I'd like to start off. Let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that Mark asked um, uh, our whole group, Nancy and I included, to uh, take a week and, uh, and share about family life resolutions. And we pray that it wouldn't be Nancy or I talking, but you speaking through us, through your spirit, for um, touching other people's hearts. I've been totally blessed out of uh, uh, just going over my notes and what, I, what, what I'm going to present to the class today, and I just want to say thank you in Jesus' name. I'd like to start off by reading um, uh, the resolution verse is Isaiah 43:19 that goes like this. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. And um, <clears throat> resolution, we have three resolutions, and number one we decided to go with, it is good to remember when and how God saved us. For me, it started as a young baby going across the Bay Bridge, throwing my baby bottle out the window. Now, I don't remember this, but that's what my parents told us over and over the years. And I think when Nancy came on board, they told her that story too. Well, that was my first part of re being rebellious as a baby. It was important for my family and I to go to church. We went every week to church, and um, my brothers and I, we hoped to sleep in and not make any noise so they wouldn't get up so we wouldn't have to go to church. But we did. We all, we all went to church. We went to catechism. I many times would not go. My brother and I, we would ride our bikes down to St. John's, and 
I would sort of sit and stand in the hallway. And for an hour, my brother would go to his class, and all the classes would be joining and meeting. But I would stay out in the hallway until it was over with, and then we would ride back home. School was hard for me growing up. Grade school, junior high, and high school. Um, I was always in trouble in school. In high school, I was on the dean's list, but not for the good reason. <laughs> I did well in sports. Um, when, whenever games, we were ever playing games and teams were to be picked, I was always the first guy. And I'm not patting my back, myself on the back, but they liked me for that kind of stuff. And my parents came to all of our games, from Little League to when I played football in high school. They were always there to support me, to cheer me on. And what made them happy was when they would hear over the loudspeaker, number 66, Tom Gardner made the tackle, blah, blah, blah. And the people in the audience say, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And that made my parents feel happy that their son did something. My mom and dad, I don't remember them ever saying negative things about anybody. Um, they, my, it just wasn't in their nature to say uh, bad things about people, the different cultures or whatever. So I never grew up that way. It wasn't until later on when I went into service that I knew that there was a lot of different cliques out there. But growing up, we never had that problem. We never talked about that. When we would go to a restaurant and somebody um, was coming in on a walker and the, and the um, seats where you would go and register were all full, my dad would tell my brothers, my two brothers and I, you guys get up and give your seats to, to the older people, to the people who couldn't stand. That's the kind of dad I had. And then later on in life when my dad had cancer and um, we went to the restaurant it was paid back to him. People would get up, give him, give him the seat. After uh, high school graduation, I knew I needed a change, but didn't know what to do about it. It seemed like everyone knew that they were either going to college or they were going to work, they had a job, but I didn't have that. I, I, it was sort of a blank for me. I knew I wanted a change, so after summer graduation, I went to Chabot for a little bit, a few weeks, and then I took a withdrawal from college, big deal, and then I went and joined the Army for three years. It was, uh, at that time, I wanted to get away from home. It was a good opportunity for me to go out and see the world, just like Randy was in the Navy, and, and uh, you see my picture up there, that was me. They, they take your picture in case you get shot over in Vietnam, and then they have a picture to send home to your parents, I guess. Um, I wanted a new life. I wanted a change. So on October 28, 1971, I joined the Army to learn a trade. Truck driving was my trade, which I even use today. I love the service. I love the, the marching, the drills and ceremonies, the gas chamber that we went through, the trips to the rifle range, the night firing, and later on when I went to AIT, which was my advanced individual training, uh, which was truck driving school, I loved that too. Loved everything about it. But, but, but my life was still empty. My Aunt Dolores had talked about uh, the Lord when we were growing up, but it just it didn't ring a bell. It tickled my ear, 
but I didn't quite understand uh, what that was all about. Even when I was in the service, there was a fellow that I was friends with. His name was Dean Lonehurst from Southern California. He was a Christian, and he used to talk about his youth activities at his church. Well, growing up in the Catholic Church, I don't remember having any of those things. But what he talked about was interesting. I, I paid attention to what he had to say. I was starting to want what my aunt and Dean were talking about. So on October 2nd, 1973, stepping off the plane at Travis Air Force Base, I asked Christ into my heart. Well, I was raised here in Castor Valley. Um, my mother, who has come to Sunday school here before, is 101 now. And she still lives in the home that um, we, you know, our family home. And, um, and I lived there since I was three, so up on Proctor Road. Um, she would be here today, but it was kind of cold. So she doesn't want to when it's cold. Um, with my parents' blessing, I attended a local church um, with a neighbor family. It was my best friend growing up, and her parents took me for about eight years. Every week, you know, I'd go down to their house and took me to church. And I think back now as a, you know, an adult and as a parent, that commitment of doing something like that for a neighbor child was really amazing. Um, when I got to high school, then I met some new friends, and um, one of them was um, Ron Rule, who's in our class, his sister Carolyn, and their dad, Fred Rule, was a pastor at Neighborhood Church. So for um, a few months, I would go to the services in Oakland with their family. And then um, that summer, it was the summer of 1969, I went to Omega uh, Summer Camp, same youth group name as we have now, and it was um, Old Oak Ranch. I don't know if any of you remember that camp. But it was there that God saved me. It was, um, I had believed in God for a long time, believed all the facts about him, uh, prayed when I was in trouble. But it was there that I um, asked God to be the Lord of my life. Um, and so I can say that that's where I was saved. Um, the following December, Neighborhood Church, it was 1969, Neighborhood Church moved here to this facility. And so I've been attending here ever since. Um, remembering how God has saved me and us talking about it in the, the couple weeks as we were preparing the, for this, it reminds me that his hand was on me um, before I ever even knew it. Um, and so that is just a neat feeling to think about that, that he watches over us even when we don't know it. Um, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Uh, Jeremiah 29:11 was so important to both of us at that time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And don't we all love it that God has a plan for us? And then the second one is Proverbs 16:9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So now for a discussion question, just share something special about when God saved you. All right. Got that all out of, got that, all that information out there. There's our picture. We were dating there. That's a dating picture. Look at my hair. Isn't that cute? <laughs> that's, that's 70s stuff. 
No. I don't think so. Okay. All right. For resolution number two, we chose it is good to see God guide us then and now. So now I'm a Christian, spent my last year at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, bought my first Bible and couldn't put it down. But I still didn't know what plan God had for me. It was all so new. My first thing, besides buying a Bible, was giving all my money away. Now, I didn't make a lot of money in the service, but when, um, when I did go in, President Nixon doubled our pay. So from $150, I, went, I think it went to $300, I think, if I remember right. But I didn't have anything to spend it on, so I just kept saving it, saving, saving, saving. And I was going to buy a, a brand-new Chevy Blazer when I got out of the service. But since I asked Christ into my heart, it was all so new to me. I didn't know that I should have probably kept some money, but I also didn't know what to do with it, so I gave it to different charities. And that was... Um, I thought, I'll probably never, ever do this again. It was like my tithing. So I did that. I gave it all away, gave it to different people. And then they gave me lots of letters. All kind of, I kept getting letters all the time. <laughs> Thanks for helping the children and all that. It was good. It's all right. My parents told me about a new church they were going to. So after I got out of the service, October 25th, 1974, my parents brought me to Neighborhood Church for the Christmas pageant. And it wasn't until the Easter pageant that I started coming to the portico, which was right next door. That's where I met Nancy. She was the first person I met coming through those doors up there, and she was coming up the stairs, and I was coming in, and she made me feel at home. It was there at the portico that we made new friends. I got myself involved. Dave Von Rotz was our pastor, and he mentored me along with some other fellas. And I started to see a new purpose in my life. It's called life transformation through following Christ. That's not what we used back in those days. That's sort of something new today. But I could see my life transforming into something new. I was becoming a different person. Friends we met in our earlier days we still have today, and everyone that we, that are, who are our friends are involved in some sort in doing the Lord's work. There's the Fosses, the Thomases, the Hugheses, the Turnbaughs, the Stantons, and many more, and they're all still involved in, in God's ministry. We may not all live around here, but we still get together at Christmas time. We pick a house, we bring a big potluck, and we all get together. And we've been doing this for 37, 35 years. 35 years. Mm -hmm. Nancy uh, and I got married August 5th, 1978. We bought our first home in Hayward, started having children. Jessica and Ryan were um, both born while we lived in Hayward, and then Nathan when we moved to Castro Valley. Uh, Nancy and I are growing in the Lord during these years. Tithing is a big part of our life, and it still is. It's very important. Praying is a big part. Our quiet time in the morning for both Nancy and I, very, very, very important. Going to, at the end of the day when we go to bed, we 
pray and say a prayer at nighttime before we go to bed. Having our kids see Nancy and I hug and kiss is very important. And not arguing in front of the kids is very important. Now, maybe my parents argued. I didn't really see it. Maybe they went in the back room and, and fought it out. I don't know. But um, it, was a, it was a good lesson for me to see that um, you don't argue in front of the kids. So if Nancy and I want to fight it out and duke it out, we go in the back room. <laughs> but we don't. Giving our kids the blessing is something my parents did for us, but I couldn't see it at the time. Taking each child on a weekend camping trip before going into kindergarten is something I did with both Ryan and Jessica. Jessica is the oldest, and she, I don't have a picture of it, but we went up to the McCallamy River one weekend. This is prior to her going into kindergarten. And... Um, camped out, and I took the wrong food. I took things like hot dogs and red licorice and sodas and chips and things like that. And it came back on me about 1 o'clock in the morning when I heard this. <laughs> and I, of course, there's no electricity. We're out next to a river. I turned the flashlight on. And Jessica, I mean, she's just about ready to go into kindergarten. She had vomit all over her hair, all, all over the top of the sleeping bag. I said, just stay right there. So I jumped out of my tent. I turned a lantern on, got the stove going for some hot water. And, and what I did was once I got all that going, I told her just to stay where she was. I threw everything. This is 1 o'clock in the morning. Threw everything in the truck except her. I pulled her out of the tent through the sleeping bag, and by that time the water's warm, I washed her the best I could, I put her in the truck, and we drove home. May I say something? She came home with vomit in her hair, bug bites, a little sunburned, and two skin knees. <laughs> I didn't think he remembered that. <laughs> but that's the kind of memory I... I started to make with my kids because I wanted to start making memories. It was very important for me to make memories with the kids. <laughs> and you can ask her today about the trip, and she can tell you about it. Mm -hmm. She'll verify that. Um, taking each child, okay, I do that. Having the kids see us reading our Bibles was important also. If we were going to live the life that we were claiming to live, um, we wanted the kids to know that mom and I both read the Bibles daily, that we went to church because it was important, that we were involved in, in activities here at the church because we wanted to set an example for our kids. Um, the things that we did were um, from traffic control to um, security to driving the church bus to uh, setting up tents uh, out at the Tyler Ranch. Um, Washing many a dishes over at the port call That was what I did the first time I came to the port. I loved it. And uh, um, that was very important for the kids to see that mom and dad were not afraid to get involved. And if we were going to, if we were going to ask them to do something, we wanted to show them that we can do, this, do it just as well. 
We were not just involved with church, but also with Little League and Cub Scouts, camping trips, and later on backpack trips. When I lost my job after 22 years, um, I came home and told my family I had lost the job. Um, I wanted to once again practice what I was preaching. I didn't come home um, cussing anybody out, but but at the same time I was thinking, what Lord do you have plan for for me in my life. Um, It wasn't that I wasn't praying, because we prayed every day. So I was excited to see what the Lord was going to do. Dave Colliard would call me up and say, hey, Tom, I need some help. Come and work with me. Dave Tatino would call up and say, hey, Tom, why don't you come and work with me? People were calling me up for a good month and saying, hey, come and work with me for a while. And I did. And uh, um, the one day, uh, another guy from Ron... Ron uh, Davidson from church came up to me and says, hey, Tom, there's a guy looking for a truck driver at our work. And I said, well, I don't have an A license. I only have a B license for driving the church bus. He says, I think he'll help you. So I went down for an interview, and the guy says, when can you start? And I started on Monday. So I worked there for nine years. Um, I was just totally blessed. And then there was a time where okay, the kids were getting ready to go to summer camp, we didn't have the money for, for sending the kids to camp. And it was um, Jim Dillon that came up to me. He says, Tom, don't worry about anything. It's all taken care of. And that, was, that, that touched my heart. People, people were even coming up to me and saying, hey, can we help you with some? We don't have a lot of money, but can we help you with that? That was way above and beyond. I just felt so totally, totally blessed. There was a story about... Um, our neighbors across the street, we, here we are trying to get them, witness to them, getting their kids to go to church and all. And we had a dog, Molly. She, was a, she lived to be 16 years old. She was a, 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 a white lab, yellow lab. And um, every morning she'd go out and get the newspaper and bring it in. Every morning. And if our paper wasn't there, she'd go get the neighbor's paper and bring it in. <laughs> so we always got a paper. Whether it was ours or not, she was, she was good. So they had a cat, and our dog, Molly, she saw the cat, and she ran after that cat, and they both, da- both of them dashed into their house, and I don't know what happened once they got in there, but the lady who lived there, she was so upset with me, and um, she might have called me a few names and everything, and I couldn't understand why, because I'm a nice Christian, but uh, so you know what? I knew things weren't right, and I can't tell you when it was. I, don't, I couldn't tell you if it was that day or the next day, but somebody had to bite the bullet and make things right. So I went across the street, knocked on their door, and I apologized, and I admitted that Molly shouldn't have been outside, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and like Nancy was telling me, she says, I don't think it was for quite a while after that that they they accepted our apology but somebody had to do it and it was me I could still I could see God working in our lives what would take let's see would take oh I also would take Jessica and Ryan in their junior high and high school years out to breakfast on Friday mornings all this was becoming 
all this was because I wanted to make a memory with my kids. I wanted to do something that, um, that they, 20, 30, 40 years from now, would say, you remember when Dad used to take us out to, to breakfast? I don't think they re even remember that. I asked Jessica the other day if she remembered that, and she says, yeah, I remember. And Ryan says, I don't remember in high school. <laughs> but that's because, see, I had lost my job and, and got a new job, so I couldn't do that anymore because the hours were different. But, but, we, but Ryan does remember going up <coughs> in junior high. Very important. I wanted to make a memory. And then, as we end this section, walking Jessica down the aisle to give her a way to start her new chapter in her life. That was another highlight in my chapter of my life. Um, seeing what a young lady she was, beautiful. She working at the church with her own small group, and um, she had a small group of girls that she did things with, and um, um, I was just so proud of her for what she's she become, and uh, that, uh, that was another highlight in, in our session there. This is so fun, just sitting here. I totally forgot what I'm going to say. Good. Listening to your <laughs> stories. Well, maybe we could look at the other. We'll just look at some quick family pictures. That's when they were... When they were, everybody was younger, and Jessica. And that's Ryan with his son, Ben, and our son, Nathan. So all grown up, and them being silly with Danny. So we got those for the kids, and instead the adults were all riding them at Christmas. <laughs> so that was cute. So anyway, the, um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit. I mean, Tom talked about... Um, God guiding us, and he talked about we dated, we married, we bought a home in Hayward, we were blessed with our two kids. You know, each one of those things as you're going through it is life-changing, and it's a huge, big deal. And then as you go through it, you look back and you see how God guided, or I could see that, how God um, guided us through each of those things. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 7, I'm going to read. I think we... Um, tried to do this and I hope you know we're not saying that we did any of this right <laughs> or perfect but they were the things that you you strive to do but Deuteronomy 6 5 through 7 says love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. So that same group of friends Tom talked about that we got together with um, when our kids were little, when Jessica was a baby, I was in a Bible study with a group of women and uh, that's what we tried to do was build each other up. We'd do one Bible study about, you know, a book of the Bible and then the next time it would be about mothering, you know, being a good mom, um, helping our kids. We even did ones on how to be a good wife. Mm -hmm. And um, again, those, as Tom mentioned, those people are still um, we're still friends with. Um, when we moved to Castor Valley, we did that in 1990, and then a year and a half later, our son Nathan was born. So Jessica was 11, and Ryan was eight and a half when Nathan was born, so we, it was pretty cool. We had help, and we had babysitters, and it was all good. Um, when Nathan was one, um, he began to have seizures. Um, it was a part of his, very real part of his childhood, and and still is something that um, 
for today, but very much under control. But when you have a child that has kind of something out of the ordinary, um, it feels hard. We had many, many emergency room visits until we kind of got a handle on how to handle things. Um, many doctor visits, um, many trips to school to pick him up, um, uh, just worries. Uh, his seizures were such that it was very much without warning and, um, you know, a total seizure where he's fallen down on the ground and shaking. So it's very shocking to see. It's very shocking for other people to see, for kids to see. So a lot of the time I'd be worrying about um, what would happen if it happens at school and I'm not there and they can't get a hold of me and someone takes him in the ambulance and I would just go round and round with that. So actually I was able to get a little job at his school and I still do work for the school district but it started with a little three hour job at his elementary school and it was very cool so we'd come and go at the same time and I could just be in tune and explain to the teachers because the teachers were a little bit worried about what to do as well and how they would take their class to the side and all of that. So it, um, it was something that I think they were, were glad that I was there, so that was neat. Um, when he would have a seizure, at first, calmly react, help him out, you know, hold his head or whatever, turn him on his side, do whatever you need to do for the immediate thing, get him home, get him away from wherever we were. And then um, the next thing that would happen was I, I'm sorry, hasn't happened in years, but I still feel it. Um, I'd feel so sad, so sad for him, sad for us, just sad for the whole situation. And then right behind that would come my thankfulness to God um, because we were there. There is medication for it. We do have doctors. Uh, he wasn't hurt, just all of that. And I could see God guiding us and taking care of us. But it's still, I couldn't ever quite get out of that, that at first it felt hard, and then I'd see God's guidance. So I think as we talk about this time of our life and God guiding us through it, it are the, it's those times when you look back that you can see it. Um, so that's good. So I'd just like to also say that sometimes we trust him for his guidance even when we don't understand it. And I'm going to read the verse in Proverbs there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So now around your table, if you could discuss um, this, share something meaningful about his guidance in your life. Okay, so for... Our third resolution, we put, it is good to look forward to the new things God is doing. So it is. It is good to look forward to the new things God is doing. I have to look for those new things. Sometimes I can get so caught up in the moment that if I'm not looking for the things God is doing, I might not see them. Um, in the past couple years, I've gone through a hard time. Um, I'm sure it's, you know, if you were to rate things, the hard things people go through, uh, someone else wouldn't think it was that big a deal. But when it's your own thing, it, it feels hard. 
And um, sometimes it would feel kind of, I'd revisit and revisit this same thing and it was kind of, kind of paralyzing, kind of stopping me from moving forward. I would come to church and look around and everybody would look problem free and every family would look perfect and I know better, I know that's not true and in fact if we shared, I'd almost feel ashamed because of my little thing, my thing that was being hard for me. Um, but again, I'd kind of get a handle on it and then week after week I would kind of go back into that same way of thinking. Um, I sort of blamed God for this situation but not really because I, I didn't want to do that but maybe I felt a little bit like Lord why couldn't you have stopped this thing from happening why couldn't you have made it different um, you know we get such great uh, I think it's that idea of um, I'm used to things being good why shouldn't things always be good in my life why should I have to have a hard thing happen and then we hear the teachings from Mark, the teachings from Larry. As Christians, we're to expect those things. Hard things will happen. And yet when they do, I'm just, I, I'm always shocked for some reason. Um, that we had a Andy Stanley video in the summer called In the Meantime. And that was so good because um, the um, young father in that video had two autistic children. Mm. And he just went through all the different things he felt when he went through that. God, were you mad at me? Are you mad at my spouse? You know, why, why is this happening? And um, I could relate to that video. It was really a good, um, good thing. We get so much good teaching here. Mm -hmm. And so I'm feeling like, um, let's see, I'm losing my place here. But um, I also read something, an article by Rick Warren, you know, after his son died, and it was either he or, or his wife who said, you can spend all your time, your whole life, wondering why about things. Or you can say, God, I may never know why, but I'm going to trust you and follow you. Thank you. And so I've been, um, it's been, it's been good. I'm kind of coming out the other side and it's been good and I keep remembering that and so I do this, this verse um, in Isaiah I am doing a new thing I want to be looking for God's new things we're in our 60s now we're going into kind of a different chapter of life now with having grandkids and looking forward to retirement and all those kinds of things and I want to be um, ready to be looking for the new things and have him using me um, in life and I think I'm going to read a verse now. A couple of the verses when you're going through the hard times. First one, Psalms 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Um, and Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not be faint. Mm -hmm. Thank you. For resolution number three, we chose it is good to look forward to the new things God is doing. In conclusion, all that I've said is for this. When the time comes for the Lord to call me home, I want to leave an everlasting memory, a legacy to my kids, my grandkids, and my great-grandkids. In 
when I, before I became a Christian, I couldn't see any path for me. I couldn't see any direction for me. After I asked Christ into my heart and I started coming to church and meeting friends, I could see a new purpose. I could see, I could see God using me. Um, the the, the uh, trade that I picked in the service, of all the trades, I picked truck driving, and I use it today. And I even use it for helping people move. If they, somebody needs to move, I use my skills for that. Something that um, I shared with um, my brother was over at the house a couple of months ago. Jessica and the kids, and a couple of the kids were sitting around the table. And I shared with them a story that being a hoodlum when I was a kid, we did um, out on the street on a Friday night. My friend, I don't know if I should use his name, I'll use his name, Gary. He had two walkie-talkies. And what we did was we made a scarecrow. And we put one of the walkie-talkies inside the scarecrow. <laughs> and we hung him up on a telephone pole with a light. And then we took some string and we ran it across the, the street. <laughs> so when a car would come by, he would hit the brakes and he would get out to see what was going on. And then we had the walkie-talkies in this dummy saying, help me, help me. They put me up here. They won't let me down. <laughs> and it was so funny. We thought it was so funny. We're laughing in the bushes. And this guy, he got in his car and he just took right off. Well, I, I told that story with my, with my, I think, Jackson or Carter. Carter. He heard what I said, so he went home and he did that. <laughs> but he did it in his bedroom, I yeah, think. In his bedroom, he and with his new walkie-talkies, he had a little dummy. And <laughs> see, Grandpa did it, so I'm going to do it. So, but that to me, that's part of a legacy that I'm leaving with these guys. <laughs> Maybe not a good one. My wife and I, we love having the kids over to spend the night. We we have movie nights, we eat popcorn, we make corn dogs. We, we do things so their mom and dad can go out on a date. I think that's very important. Camping trips to Yosemite. Um, a couple of years ago, I took Jackson. He's the oldest. He was my sample, and it worked out good. We went up, we camped a couple of nights, and then ended up in the valley floor, took the bus around, and then came home. That worked out good. So last year, I took three kids, and I took Nancy with me. And we went to, um, we camped right outside of the park, and, but we went down to Hetch Hetchy, walked around down there, ate lunch. And, of course, the kids are throwing rocks, and they're slow as molasses, keeping up with us. But that's all part of making a memory. And then the next day, or that day, <coughs> excuse me, we went up into the park and uh, up to where there was still a little snow. And the kids had a ball with that. And then we came back and we barbecued hot dogs with skewers, made some s'mores. They camped. I set up a tent for them. So the three of them were in one tent. And I had to tell them more than once to quiet down. And uh, Nancy and I, we slept in the back of our truck, nice and comfortable. And then the next morning, got up, ate breakfast, 
And uh, then we went down into the valley and spent the day there, and they had a ball. And even today, they talk about, are we going to Yosemite? Are we going to Yosemite? And I says, hopefully, <coughs> Lord willing, we are. So making a memory, taking the grandkids. We're planning to take four boys this year. We're planning to take four boys this year. <laughs> so that's the plan. Um, movie night in the backyard under the stars. I would take an old TV out and put it on our wall in the back with a DVD player. And uh, I'd take a huge tarp, lay it out. I'd throw the t sleeping bags out. And when they would come over, we would eat a dinner in the backyard. Nancy would make corn dogs or whatever, popcorn and ice cream. And we would watch movies in the backyard. And when that was over with, then we would all go to sleep under the stars. Me too. I would do it too. All in the name of making a memory. Saturday mornings, we would come up here to church. I bought some brooms at the dollar store, and I leave them in the bus room. We would sweep the parking lot just for 10, 15 minutes, just so they could say they worked, and then it was down to McDonald's for breakfast. <laughs> Going to the movies, calling the boys girls. I would say, hey, girls, are you guys ready to go? At first, they would look at each other and say, oh, we're, not, we're not girls, we're boys. And then they would say, we're not girls, grandma. They would call me grandma. <laughs> Babysitting for our kids so, they can, so that Jessica, Danny, and Nate, and Ryan, they can go out on, on dates. That's important. They need some time so they can be alone. And with Jessica and Danny, they have, I don't know, six kids. They have, they have four boys. And they're hoping to adopt two girls. And um, it's, a, it's a handful for them. Nancy is a great mom and a grandma. I couldn't, you, you couldn't ask for anything better. She's always there helping Jessica. And you know what? They have a good communication going because they can call each other up and they talk to each other. Jessica will call, hey, the kids are... They have this. What do you think? And Nancy will pull out a baby book that we used when they were kids. And she would read, well, this is what it says. So they, had a, they have a good rapport with one another. We love it. Nancy and I could see where we came from and where we're at today. And we are truly, truly blessed. Do we have a resolution for every year? No, I don't think so. But for me, it's making a memory with my kids and my grandkids every year. That's what it would be if it was one. I don't have one where I'm going to lose weight or, or pay off my debts. We're hoping to do all that, but that when time comes. I like to um, read <coughs> Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In Isaiah 43, 19, see, I am doing a new thing, and he surely has. I'd like to end. we got three minutes. In the book called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent, he asked 100 families to 
if they had any memories from when they were kids, and this, I'm not going to read all 100. These are, there's 100 of them, but I'm just going to read a few. We went camping as a family, and this was mentioned a lot in the families. They would each take us out individually for a special breakfast with mom and dad. My father would put his arm around me at church and, lead, and let me lay my head on his shoulders. My mother always carried pictures of each of us in her purse. They were willing to admit when they were wrong and say, I'm sorry. I saw my parents praying for me even when I didn't deserve it. My father loved me by loving my mother. My mom was always willing to help me with my math homework. When my father was facing being transferred at work, he purposely took another job so that I could finish my senior year at high school at the same school. When I wrecked my parents' car, my father's first reaction was to hug me and tell me, and let me cry instead of yelling at me. Even when I was in high school, my father sometimes would tuck me into bed. Sometimes when I would get home from school, my mother would leave a plate of cookies on the counter for me. Every Saturday morning, my father would get up before everybody else and cook us pancakes and bacon. My mother would, would slow down when I my mother would slow down when I helped her cook to let us accomplish the task together. And the last one, even though I had never seen him cry before, my father cried during my wedding. Because he was going to miss me. <laughs> so, so with that said, we're going to pray. <laughs>